ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, TerraMaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. TPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV damper with better control and handling with an upgraded vane and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talk Sandy. Donovan Cox, welcome to ATV Talk. I hope this time we can pull it off. Oh, yes, sir. We've tried this a few times now, Leonard, and hopefully this will be the one. I'm hoping so, too. Um, I know that we've talked in the past times, which aren't uh, we have some we have some stuff recorded from you and I talking earlier, but I want to go back over what got you into ATVs. Um, so when I was six years old, my grandparents, that's what they bought me because they figured it'd be a little bit safer than a dirt bike. And they just bought me a four wheeler and then it progressed from there. We started, uh, I mean, when I was younger, I just pretty much rode around the house and stuff and never really got into riding at tracks and stuff till, uh, I was probably about 11 or 12 years old with my great grandfather lived out in Arizona. so. I started riding tracks a little bit then, then around 13, I started doing a few races here and there whenever we'd go out to Arizona. And then, um, then around 15 is when I actually started racing pretty heavy and we brought everything back to Arkansas with us. And, um, from there, it's just steadily progressed, just been doing the nationals every single year and steadily getting better and better. How many years you've been doing the nationals now? So this will be my sixth season at the nationals. So you're 21-ish? I am 20, going on 21 in October. Wow. Wow, you're still a baby. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> is, is, is Grandpa still helping you out quite a bit? Yes, he does. He's, a, he's got his own busy schedule, too, with his parents and everything. But um, we go to all the races together, and that's our weekends. That's pretty awesome. Just, just you and him go, huh? Um, for the most part, yes, we got my little brother going this year now too, which has been an addition that we didn't really know was going to happen until uh, just recently. And then, um, my mother and little sister and uh, grandmother and them come to most of the races, but not all of them just, uh, due to finances and stuff, they can only come to so many of them. So, but 
normally we have a full family effort at most of the rounds. That's pretty awesome. I love to hear those stories because ATV racing is all about family. Oh yes. It's a, I mean, even outside of my family, that's one thing I look forward to going to the track to is just all the different families that we know and getting to hang out with people. And it's one big family. Y'all all do the, everybody comes there for the same purpose to ride four wheelers. So. And that I don't think that there's anything more fun in the world to do than go ride your ATV. Oh yes. I completely agree. Uh, I've been, I've been enjoying it my whole life. Um, so some people always ask, how do you, how do I pick people to come on ATV talk? And sometimes it's as easy as a message that somebody sends me, or sometimes it's, it's just because I know that individual, I know their accomplishments. I've, I've, you know, been on the other side of the gate, you know, or, or a few gates down with them on the starts for years. But with, in your case, you kept posting videos of a local track that you go ride. And that's how you caught my eye. Uh, I thought that you were looked really aggressive. You looked pretty, pretty good. And I thought there was a backstory there, something that you could elaborate on uh, to tell me how all that takes place. Yes, sir. Well, uh, that little track definitely makes me look really good sometimes. I, uh, that's two and a half hours away from us. And I've been riding that for the past few years now. So I kind of, I know it in and out pretty well, but um, as well going there, it's just a local track here in Arkansas. There's not really, we know the owners well, but I mean, it's not really nothing official. Like you go to the national or anything. I mean, my grandpa can walk out on the track at any point he wants. And that's one point that helps us get some of the videos we get. Cause he can get right up on me and I can just throw it in on a corner on him and just come around him. And it makes for a pretty good shot sometimes. So, uh, a little mixture of all that. And then it definitely has helped my riding. That's, uh, the, the track owner, he is, um, over time it's become more difficult and kind of more progressed. And, uh, I feel like it's helped me a little bit and help. It's definitely, we focus on going there and, building my speed and corners and just in and out of the corner and a whole different types of stuff. So it's just, we can work on specific things when we want. I don't have to, I can just focus on one corner the whole time, cut the track, go back, focus on this one corner. So we uh, just try to focus on little things here and there and just steadily progress from there. Where did you learn your techniques for training? Um, so I can't really tell you, I've kind of developed everything, I guess, uh, on my own, just by watching people, we've never really, I've had a few pointers here and there from people that have definitely helped out going and doing some schools and stuff that I've had a great opportunity to be a part of. But, um, a lot of it's just studying myself and just what I look for needs to be done, what I uh, see they're doing and how everything's reacting and just trying to implement that myself. Really? So you haven't went to any of the pros and said, Hey, how do you do this? Or how do you do that? Uh, I mean, from time to time, if I'm kind of, there's something I feel if I, I could just, I get an answer from them and I know I'm going to get it right back, then yes, I'll go to them from time to time. But that's not necessarily the case. I mean, that's a few tips here and there, but not, like I said, the general, the general aspect of it, I've just, I've gained my knowledge and try to build off of that. That's pretty awesome. Self-taught and you're in the pro-am class, right? Yes, sir. Pro and pro sport this year. How are you doing so far this year? Um, I believe pro am I'm sitting six in points and pro sport. I believe I'm sitting ninth. The last I looked, I thought. 
So uh, not too bad for where we're at in the year. Nice. Is, is this your first year at that level? Yes, sir. Last year we uh, ran A classes. How'd you do in last year in the A class? Um, I believe I was top five in the three classes that I ran. So you ran three classes last year in the A class? Yes, sir. And the year before that, I ran um, B classes for about three to four years. And doing that, I ran four classes each year. How do you fit that in? Was that four races on Saturday, four races on Sunday? Yes, sir. Man, and you just slept all the way home. Uh, I mean, it was it was pretty taxing. So my body and everything was pretty beat afterwards. I'd stay up for a little bit. We'd get some food. And then pretty much after that, I was out for the rest of the ride home. Wow. That's that's pretty intense. That's that's a lot of riding in one weekend. I mean, no, it's on the motocross, but still, you know, what, if four laps, five laps? Yes. The three of the classes were four laps. And then I was running college, which was kind of a, a B mix. So there was five laps in that one. Wow. Wow. That's, that's pretty awesome. What, uh, what are your future goals? Where, where, where do you want to go here? So I want to make it to pro class. That's definitely the ultimate goal. And, um, just make it in there and see what we can do. Uh, to be honest, what I would really love to do with this is kind of do what Thomas did and just at least just make it where I was cutting ends meet and racing is the only thing I have to do. It would, that's my ultimate goal. If I could quit being an EMT and just race full time and that'd be the only thing that would be a complete dream come true. So, I mean, even if it's not making any money on the side and stashing it away and uh, being ready for the future, if I could just race for a few years and that'd be it, that would be, that'd be more than a dream come true. Well, that's, that's a pretty cool dream to have. You mentioned you're an EMT. Um, How did that come about? Um, so my high school actually offered an EMT program and while I'm sitting in school, I figured what, what better to do with my time than, uh, try to just, I got to come to school anyway. So let's put my time forward while I'm here. And, uh, it gave me a job coming out of high school. So that was kind of my goal is just to have a decent paying job when I come out so that I can support this racing the best that I can. Do you think that that EMT job is going to lead you anywhere else? For your future down the road it could possibly um after being in this i don't really know if i want to pursue in the medical field so if i would want to pursue more medical um i'd say it definitely would have some doors opening but if i'm wanting to completely change the aspect of my career then uh, i don't think it's really going to do too much what does it allow you to take the direction on it maybe as a fireman it definitely that that is the case. Uh, just the especially the town that I work in. It's a very small town. They have a volunteer fire department here, and I'm very close with all the people there too. And they always ask me, they're like, "When are you going to go to the fire academy? When are you going to come be a fireman?" So there's definitely uh, if that was something I wanted to do, I bet I could pursue that as well. So it's a volunteer fire department. So how do you get paid being a volunteer? Well, you don't, they just, they show up and I mean, they make, um, they kind of got their little system where whoever shows up to a certain amount of calls at the end of the year, they kind of get a little bit of a bonus pay for just coming and doing the calls and everything. But I mean, they, they don't make any money necessarily through the city or anything. It's just, they come up and they volunteer to work. 
you know, I mean, if you get a bonus at the end of the year, you never know if you got enough calls might be a pretty healthy bonus. Oh yes. Might make Christmas or might make that new engine you need, you know, happen. <laughs> yep. A few hundred bucks here and there can help. Oh, dude, anything helps. I know the first time that we tried this, you were driving back from Baldwin's picking up an engine for your race bike. Yes, sir. That, um, and that time span, when we were trying to get a call. I was, uh, I went up there about two to three times in a month span. So I was running back and forth up the road, trying to get parts ready for the season. That was a good conversation. And it just only problem was, is we would talk a few minutes, then it would go dead. Then we would talk a few minutes and then it would go dead. Yeah. It didn't help with me driving. I was kind of hitting all the bad spots every five minutes or so. And we'd be good. Then not. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, you had a, you had an objective. You needed to get back and get that engine in the frame. So you could go ride it. Oh yes. It was a uh, in between days of work too. So it was just, I got off of work, go straight home, get ready to leave and then leave. And then, once I get back, go straight to work again. So it was just, I had a short period of time that I had to get stuff done and get back so I could get back to my regular schedule. Right, right. Um, Mark's a pretty good teacher as well. I mean, he's worked with some pretty fast guys and still does. So I'm sure he can answer some of your questions about some of the things you need to do as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. When there's um, When I'm struggling with something on the bike or there's just something I don't quite understand, that is one person I definitely look to and uh, he has the answers for me. So it's definitely uh, having that knowledge there and just that group of people is great. Yeah. I, I, uh, I like Mark. I haven't got to talk to him in a few years, but I really like him. That being said, you're going to help nudge him over to, to come and sit down and talk with me a bit. Yes, sir. Last time I talked to him, he, uh, he told me, I know, I know I've just been really busy. So he's a, uh, Hopefully it'll give you a little bit of time here soon. I'm sure he will. I understand the busy because we do this. We do a similar thing with each of our companies and, you know, Duncan racing is just off the walls, busy. So I can only imagine if we're this busy and, and him and a few of the other competitors out there have to be the same. It, it's just, I don't know where all the ATV enthusiasts came from. Yes, sir. It, um, just watching over social media and, uh, it seems each year just, it's kind of growing and growing and more people are kind of getting into it, which is very cool to see. So hopefully it just makes the sport keep progressing instead of going backwards. Is there very many people in your local area that are interested watching your career develop? Or are there young kids that are watching what you're doing and, and saying, Hey, maybe I want to try this dad. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say necessarily there's a really no, like I said, there's only about one track around here in the vicinity. So there's not really too many riding opportunities here, let alone people to kind of see us and kind of me expose what I do and everything. So um, when I go up to the local track, uh, I bet there's some people that kind of like, yeah, that's cool. I kind of want to do that um, from time to time because uh what I, what I go there and do is uh, not what all these local people do. There's what one jump there is a whole bunch of fun. It's this big old kind of triple camelback thing, and everybody just makes it a little double. But I got to go over that thing, full thing pinned out of the corner, and I just air it out. And I'm one, I believe, well, me and Mitchell Reynolds are the two quads that have hit that thing. And um, 
it, it, it puts on a pretty good show for people. So I don't know how much I really get to influence people, but hopefully there's a few people watching and uh, look up to me some. You know what? I One thing I need to ask you is I haven't seen a new video lately. Yes, sir. I have not even made it up to that track and I don't know how many months and um, just trying to get a practice bike together. I haven't even had a practice bike for uh, two, three months. I haven't rode practice since like before Texas. So other than that, it's just been each race and come home, go to work. Well, there's something to be said for that because I've, we've done it most of our lives. It's for the love of the sport, nothing else. Oh, yes. This is a I dedicate my whole life to this. This is all I want to do, and it's the most fun I can have. So I wouldn't have it any other way. Have you ridden anything other than in the level of racing that you're doing now? Have you ridden anything else besides the YFC 450R? I have not. This whole time uh, at my current level and everything, I've been on a Yamaha for the past five years, I believe. Have you got an opportunity to ride anything else and, and try it out, see if you like anything else? Um, I have not. Uh, that opportunity would come. It'd be pretty cool because I just like to see how different things handle, but I'm pretty happy with the setup we have, so I don't see why there would be any need of changing. I don't either. I just, you know, education purposes is what I was, was, what I was getting at. Yes. Do you do any cross-training on two-wheelers? I do not. Actually, um... I believe it was about a year and a half ago or so I ended up buying a dirt bike because I thought it'd be a good idea and have something else to ride. And, uh, I went a few weeks on that and the twist throttle ended up biting me and I ended up, um, tearing a tendon in my thumb. So my thumb would completely dislodge out of place if I put too much pressure and, um, the kind of curve in my finger. So I was out for, uh, that was probably three, four months in total, just trying to let that heal. So, I ended up getting rid of the dirt bike. We didn't see the need of um, hurting myself or sacrificing what we had going for the quads because we've spent so much time in the building and getting to where I'm at. We just see it's better to progress there. Well, that's, that, I mean, you got to know your limitations, right? Yes, sir. So your grandpa, does he help you with the building the bikes or anything like that? Or is, or is he just going and helping you at the races? He just goes and helps me at the races. Um, when I was younger, he would do more of the routine stuff, changing oil and different stuff like that. But I've taken over full bike control and building them is all me. Wow, that's pretty good for a guy your age. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Oh, hey, I mean, you want to do it. And back in the day, you know, when when my brother and I were riding and, and doing mini bike stuff, because that's all there was at that point. Uh, yes, I'm that old. <laughs> um pops would say if you want to ride it you know you got to mix the gas you got to you got to start it you got to do the whole nine yards and uh, we were very fortunate that we had everything we needed here um and he's been a, a mechanic building motorcycles and and everything our whole lives so he always had the tools we needed and other than leaving them laying in the driveway um we had carte blanche we could do whatever we wanted uh, <laughs> when we didn't put them away though that that really uh, irritated him a little bit. So we had to make sure that when you were done with them, you put them away and don't leave them in the dirt. Uh, you know, just like everybody else, you know, you, you progress in life. You know, we worked on our stuff in the dirt for years because that's all we had. You know, you oh, yes. You didn't have all these cool things, you know, 
you didn't work on it in the shade because there was no shade because there was no cover. <laughs> you you know, I mean, you, you, you progress, you know, when you don't have a garage to do it. Yeah. You do it out wherever you're at and, you know, work on them on the flatbed trailer. If that's what you got to do. Right. Oh yes. Do what you got to do. Exactly. So how, when do you think you're going to make the transition to the pro class? Uh, do you feel it's going to come in the next couple of years? Or are you going to ride out the pro-am for a while? Um, hopefully with everything that's going on, we'll spend about another year in pro-am and then hopefully the progression will be enough after another year that we'll be able to move up. When you say the progression, are you going to, are you going to try to put yourself into position to win the pro-am classes and, and move like Max did, or are you going to figure, Hey, I'm a top three guy. Now I'm going to go while I'm still young. I'd like to go in and win the pro-am and, uh, kind of dominate that and then move up that way, but we'll just have to take it as it comes. Cause, uh, just because you have the speed doesn't mean you have the perfect gear to show for it. And it just takes all, take all the factors into account. And if we're ready, we're ready. If we're not, we're not. Do you and your grandfather have a lot of conversations about that? Um, I mean, because that's a big uh, burden for a, a young man to take on for himself to make a decision like that. That I mean, I'm not, I'm not putting you down in any way. I'm just saying that's, a, that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself. If you're the only guy making that decision for you. Oh, that's for sure. Um, I mean, we really don't, talk too far ahead about that. We kind of just go race by race, see where we're at, go in the moment. I mean, I kind of have ambitions for, I want to do, but it's also got to be in reason with what I'm doing at the time. Cause, uh, I know where I can be, but I got to get myself to there. So it just takes time on the bike and time. I have to catch up on the bike. Cause there's a, there's a lot of days I don't get to ride. The more days I can ride, the better it's just going to help me. Do you think that that being sixth and ninth is because you're not riding as much, or do you think it's just because you just didn't have good breaks at the races that you were at? Um, we started off the season a little slow, just trying to figure out bike setup and everything. But uh, now we've kind of got that all figured out. So I think kind of where I'm lacking is the fact that yes, I don't get to ride throughout the week. Um, I don't get the really train ride like that's not my main focus because i have to go to work so it's others there's other things that kind of come in the way that i feel like hold me back a little bit but i feel like the progression will still be there it might just take a little bit longer because i just i'm not accessing that as quick i guess you would say okay so you what you believe is if you could train more and ride more you you would definitely do better which is logical yes sir Wow. That's, that's, that's pretty insightful. I'm really enjoying that you have progressed as far as you have without tutelage. Oh yes. That's, um, I mean, just the same scenario I've kind of been in with the not riding in between races, that's kind of been the same scenario for the past about five years. So it's just, I mean, pretty much all the riding is just show up at the racetrack and we try to progress my skills each weekend there. So I can only can only do so much in a weekend. So we just take each weekend as it comes and keep building and building from there. When I talked to you last, you were pretty close to having that practice bike done. Are you still in the same boat or are you waiting for a specific part? Um, there's a few parts I'm waiting for, but everything I have the majority of everything. So 
the biggest holdup was kind of motor. We had a little bit of issues with uh, getting everything there when that ended up blowing up. So that's getting all solved out. I have a few three, four parts that I need left, but the majority I got. And um, hopefully by the end of the month, uh, probably not this month, by the end of the next month, middle of the month, I should have a practice bike done. And on the days off of work, I should be able to ride. Are you guys on summer break yet for, for the nationals? Um, we are on the summer part. Uh, we will, we really don't have a break this next, uh, month and a half, two months or so we have a race like every other weekend. So they've kind of piled on top of each other pretty heavy here lately. Really? So in July and August, you're on top of one another. Oh yes. It's gonna, it's gonna be pretty crazy. July. Like I said, we have one every other weekend, and fortunately, those are all the weekends I'm supposed to work, so I only have to take off for my three days on the weekend, and I get the Wednesday, Thursday off with the four, and then the Monday, Tuesday off afterwards, so kind of works out pretty good, but also uh, takes a lot of money to go racing, so with missing all those days, I'm not going to be making as much money, which kind of puts me in a little bit of a pinch, but uh, we'll get through it all. No, I mean, that's good because it's like, I've said this multiple times on this uh, episode already is that it's for the love of the sport, you know? Oh yes. You just got to do it for the love of the sport. For sure. That's what it's all about. Do you get to cycle or, or, or anything like that? Do you, I I remember one time we were supposed to meet up and you were at the gym. So it's just gym work. Is that all? That's all you get. So pretty much just gym work. I do have a mountain bike that I go out and a uh, road bike every now and then, but uh, it just depends on weather, the amount of time that I have. Um, so the gym is normally the fix where I go to, but when I'm at work, I don't necessarily have a gym. So let's go outside and run, do a little bit of workouts that I can, or we're just so busy that I can't do nothing. So. All right. That's, uh, that's, that's a tough schedule. That's really a tough schedule. You know? That is just, oh, yes. I'm a little, a little perplexed, you know, for you. It, it, it makes it, it makes it hard to um, progress when you don't get to train as much, but I, I guess going to the gym and, you know, maybe doing fingertip pushups when there's nothing else to do at work, you know, there's always dips you can do, you know, or pushups or whatever. Oh yes, there's always always ways ways you can progress. It doesn't you don't necessarily have to have a whole bunch of stuff. Just body weight that can help you out too. So just kind of got to make do with what you have. Uh, yeah, I I train with this guy, um, and and he uh, he does the the body weight training days where that's all when we show up. There's a mat there. I'm ready. I just want to go get back in the car. <laughs> No, I'd rather you give me big heavy weights and make me do gnarly exercises with that. Yes, I'll walk the, the, the three quarters of a mile up that hill and back with that heavy weight. No problem. But no, I don't want to lay on the mat and hold my own weight up. I'm sorry. I don't want to do that. Oh, yes. It's a, it's pretty intense. I mean, you got to kind of do more reps or so to get it, but you can definitely, you can definitely get a good workout that way. Yeah, we... uh we um, train, I train on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Well, today we didn't train. Uh, yes, we're taping this on a Tuesday, 
Um, it may not drop on a Tuesday, but we're taping it on a Tuesday. And instead of training today, there's some stairs not too far from where we train. We just go over there. And when coach isn't around, we just run the stairs. Well, I don't run the stairs anymore. I'm not as young as you. So I, <laughs> I walk, jog the stairs, whatever you want to call it. Um, so my legs are a little shaky today from doing the stairs, but at least I got something in, you know, I didn't, I didn't sit on the couch. Oh yes, for sure. <laughs> I really, I really want to sit on the couch though. <laughs> <laughs> I know how that feels. Have you done any cross country races? I have not. I've actually only rode in the woods on a bike one time before. And how'd that go? It was a different experience. Um, I did pretty good. Made it most of the way throughout the day until the end of the day. I started getting a little bit too confident with myself and went into a section a little bit too fast and kind of slid the back end over and whacked the tree, but didn't really do nothing too bad. So it was um, definitely fun. It's completely different riding through the trees than riding on a big open track with a whole bunch of jumps. Don't you live in the trees? Uh, pretty much. And there's no woods riding, no woods races around there? Uh, not really. There's, I mean, if I paid more attention, there might be a little bit here and there, but there's nothing really that big that I can think of. I kind of figured Arkansas would have more of an off-roading population. Yeah, um, I don't know. I guess it's just more so the fishing and the hunting and hiking and I guess enjoying the scenery than people wanting to come in and tear it up with a uh, motor vehicles. So oh, come on now. We don't tear it up. That <laughs> no, we don't for sure. I, I don't look at it that way at all. I, uh, I would give, we're coming in having some fun with the terrain. So do you do any four by four stuff with the, with the four wheel drive quads in the, in the mud? I do not. Dude, you gotta live a little. Yeah. With a, with just the just not having the financials and uh being able to do anything else, I really don't get to do anything else. We focus everything into you this racing you and you don't got a buddy that's got a farm tractor or something you could go play in the mud with. No, unfortunately not. Wow. We're gonna have to get you seasoned. <laughs> I, I got to go play in the mud in Louisiana with a guy named Marty Hart. And uh it's probably the one of the funnest things. There's a um, New York ATV addicts. I, I see they're posting on social media all the time and they're driving four wheel drive quads into the mud. And, and it just, they just look like they're having so much fun. I can't wait to get unbusy so that we can get some travel time so I can go meet some of these people. And no, I'm not a four wheel drive quad guy. You know that I'm the sport quad guy all day long, but I just got to go try that just to see how much fun it is. You know. Oh yes, it definitely looks like a bunch of fun. I don't want to wash it afterwards. No, I want to get it all dirty <laughs> and then give it back. You know. <laughs> hey, thanks. You know, you guys have fun. I'll see you next time. Yeah, I know how bad our quads are to wash after a mud race, so I cannot um, even imagine how bad it is after all the stuff they do to them. Yeah, that's that's incredible. That is just incredible. What do you, do you do anything special to prep for the mud? I mean, it looks like the races have been pretty dry so far this year. Fortunately, they have been. Um, so 
we've just been going with that, running with the dry. And uh, I'm glad I don't necessarily dislike the mud, but it's definitely a lot more fun to ride when it's dry. You can go out there and just throw down and have fun. But I don't really think there's much I do to prep for the mud. I mean, we do a little bit of prep on the bike, just to try and seal it up and keep from water getting in and mud building up on the radiator. But um, I don't know. I just kind of hype myself up that we're going to go get dirty and just go slide around in the mud. So see where we come out and see how it ends by the end of the race. Big tires or small tires? It, it, it doesn't matter. That depends. Um, with these Maxis, Razor MXs, it takes a lot of rain to really make justifiable to use big tires. So I haven't really got to use big tires too much, but um, the times that I have have all been on old, pretty much stock setup. So I haven't got to do it on a race setup like this. So um, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty pumped for when we do get one. Cause I feel like I got a pretty good bike that'll do in it. Um, but we'll just see when that time comes. <laughs> you're not even afraid of the, you're not even afraid of the mud you're welcoming it you know for just another fun experience oh yes this um past sunday at sunset ridge the forecast was projecting that it was going to rain that day and chances were getting pretty heavy and during the end of the day it started on off shower and just a little bit but my thoughts were, if it's going to rain, it just needs to come down and needs to pour, and we need to have a mud race all day, not this uh, in-between. So I was either hyping myself up for a whole bunch of rain or no rain at all. So luckily, <laughs> we didn't have any rain at all. But Have you ever been to Muddy Creek? Oh. What was it like there for you? I've been there a few times when it's uh, been pretty wet, and it – uh. That track is definitely an experience when it's completely muddy. How deep was the starting gate? I can't even tell you. With all that sawdust and everything they put on that start, it's you just lean back and just let it go. We were we were there one year, and when the bikes are sitting on the gate, the bottom of the frames are underwater. We haven't had anything that bad. Oh, it was, it, it, it was unbelievably bad. I don't remember how many people finished, but it was less than half. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we did all the water prep that we could and it, it just kept coming down. But I mean, when you were just that soaked, I think we went there with three brand new engines and brought them all home. Yeah. I mean, granted, there were two strokes back then, but but still, it, it just it destroyed everything we took. That was rough. I could uh, I could not imagine that. Yeah, my my brother was supposed to go to that race, and he got sick. And this is years and years ago, but that's back when I had blonde hair instead of white hair. And he got sick, and he looked at me on like Wednesday or. Tuesday right before we're loading up to, to go to the airport. He goes, yeah. And this is back when you could, he handed me his ticket and said, you're going, you know, this is before you had to be ID and, you know, you could swap your name at the gate and all that stuff. And I'm like, okay. I called my wife today. I'm going to the races. I'll see you when I get back, you know, <laughs> back to bag and you know, headed back to Tennessee. Um, 
it was, it, it, I missed those days, you know, the adventure of, of going to the nationals and hanging out with all the people. And, and, uh, it's a lot of work, but it's just so much fun also. Oh yes. You know, you're, you're, you're living a dream and, and I hope that you take it in and, and relish it forever because the people that you'll meet and the experiences you get to have, you know, the, the rest of the world doesn't get to have, you know, I've been around fast pitch softball teams. I've been around some baseball stuff. I've traveled with a couple other kinds of sports that my kids have gotten into. And I really don't believe there's a better community than the ATV community. And I don't care if we're racing in Mexico and Baja or we're racing in Saudi Arabia, the UAE, the, the ATV people everywhere in the world are an incredible group of, uh, of family back helpers. I mean, if you break something or you need something, there's always somebody there handing you apart, helping you out, making sure that you get to the gate. Oh yes. Everybody's there to ride. So to definitely don't want to see somebody going home just for something little that you could help them out with. So like I said, we all come there for the same thing and everybody has the same goal in mind to have fun. Oh, I mean, after the races on Saturday or Friday practice or whatever it was, you know, one of the moms or one of the camps would, would be cooking something. And yeah, I mean, yeah, we went out to eat a lot, but they, you know, wrangle us up and say, no, you're coming over here and eating with us. And, and whatever it was, you're enjoying it because you were starving because, you know, the boss didn't feed you during the day. You were, you were, you were too busy working and he was too busy working to stop and eat lunch. So you were, you were loving life on whatever it was that you were getting to eat that day. And um, just the, the different places. I know they don't go to all the same places that we used to go to. You probably go to some better ones um, like Sunset Ridge. I don't, I'm not familiar with the track other than the videos I've seen. Um, but, you know, Muddy Creek, Mount Morris, Redbud, just in, incredible places to go do what we do. Yes, sir. It's a, it's definitely just going to those places and just being out there and looking at the scenery. It's kind of breathtaking. Like we're just, we travel all the way across the country to go to these tracks and go ride for the weekend. So. Do you guys usually get there on a Friday and then and leave on Sunday? Uh, we normally get there on Thursday so we can set up me already since practice is on Friday. And then uh, Sunday, whenever the racing is all over, we head out and book it back home. You do the last moto on Sunday or are you one of the first motos? It just depends. Um, normally I am about midday, but my little brother, he has uh, unfortunately been in pretty much the last race of the day. So we have been holding on till last motos. How late do they get you out of there? Um, well, just perspective where he is in the classes, he's raced 30 out of like 33 at this last one. Uh, oh. so they went through the day pretty quick and I think we got out of there. I have to say about three thirty, four o'clock or so. So, not too bad. Normally on a Sunday, they try to wrap everything up and get racing done because they know people got to go home. Yeah, nobody lives close. There's a few people that live close. Uh, some people have three, five-hour drives, just depending on where we go. Um, 
Us, unfortunately, it is not that way at all. Ours are all the closest we have is Loretta's, which is going to be six hours. And then pretty much everything from there is about a 12 hour plus drive. Whoa. Well, could you imagine if I was coming out there? <laughs> oh, that would uh, not be too much fun. You'd have a very, very long time. Well, what we did, what we did is we would always drive the, the stuff. You know, we, we had a place in, in, in Tennessee that, uh, you know, some friends and racers that would let us put the trailer there. And then we would fly to Nashville, get a ride to the truck and trailer, and they'd have it all ready. And we would jump in the, 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 the motor home in the, in the trailer and head off to the races. You know, so you're always, even from Tennessee, there was always still a drive. Like if you're racing in Pennsylvania, you know, you still had to drive all the way from Nashville to, to wherever it was in Pennsylvania or upstate New York. Oh, yeah. It ain't a, it ain't a short drive driving up there to New York. No, not at all. Not at all. You know, but it's, it's beautiful country. That is for sure. So that's, that's pretty awesome. Young man. I think you have, you're living a dream and, and most people your age, I know you have to work really hard to, to get that done, but I hope you're soaking it all in because it's going to set you up for the rest of your life and allow you to appreciate whatever it is you get to do. Oh yes. I'm uh, very fortunate for the things I get to do and the opportunities I've had in my life and everything that racing has brought my way and just opportunities I've gained through racing. And it's a, I definitely couldn't imagine doing anything else. This is a, one thing I will keep with me for the rest of my life. And hopefully we can just keep going and build more memories. That's awesome. How did the COVID, I mean, not to change the subject, how did COVID affect you? Um, what do you mean? Just kind of like work or racing or oh, what are we talking oh, about? Just a general, uh, a general overview of, of, of what it did to your race program and then how it affected you because of, I'm sure you had more calls because of work. Yes. So work kind of got really crazy there for a while. Um, everything's kind of calmed down now, but everything kind of popped off all big in the beginning and we got all these COVID precautions and then we were having to mask up and gown up and wear goggles and all this different type of stuff. And it just, uh, we were getting calls that were, COVID positive, different stuff like this, kind of back to back and just more often and sudden. And then, uh, I mean, I don't feel like it uh, made anything too different. It just made stuff more difficult and just more things, I guess, we had to do and more steps and just different stuff here, more supplies that we had to keep track of. Just, it, um, I don't know. It was just a whole nother thing in itself. And then, with the racing, we kind of had some races like Unadilla that we didn't get to go to um, because of places being shut down. And then at the races, we had their whole COVID precautions and everything that they were doing. So um, it's not like it really made things too different. It just kind of upset life a little bit and things weren't normal. No, they weren't normal at all. Weren't normal at all. What were the what were some of the protocols they had at the races? Um, the whole, of course, six feet apart, um, 
at the starting gates, everybody had to wear a mask unless you had a helmet on. So that was a, that was one of the biggest things is the whole year, everybody had to go to the gate with a mask on for the mechanics. And then the riders had to have helmets on. Um, so that was everywhere else. I mean, it just kind of, it was a normal race weekend, but going up there and everything, they kind of took it more seriously and, uh, just had to do what they had to do. I'd have been, I'd have wore a helmet if I was a mechanic, a mechanic. No problem. I'll wear a helmet. Great. I <laughs> got off a mask. Oh yes. My wife made me wear them in the stores. I, I despise it, you know? Absolutely. I'm very fortunate. My brother didn't beat me up too bad about it, but I had one on my desk. So if somebody came in the front door, I would put it on if they wanted me to. But other than that, I didn't, I didn't wear them at all. Yes, sir. Couldn't, I couldn't handle it. I had to get on a plane not too long ago and wear one for like four hour flight. I was unhappy camper when I got to the, when we left. (laughs) Unbelievable, unbelievably ridiculous in my opinion, but it is what it is. You know, what are you going to do? Oh, yes. It's all somebody else pulling the strings. So we just kind of got to go with it. Exactly. So from your perspective, the ATV industry is growing. Um, just kind of from what I've seen, it seems like there's just a little bit of more people getting into it. I mean, I don't know how actual representation that really is this is just kind of what i've seen here and there but uh i don't know it uh there for a while it seems like a lot of people were buying off-road stuff so i don't know if that was just kind of surge and that's kind of fallen off or what i know things have been getting hard to get here lately uh just with shipping and everything so i don't really know i don't i don't i don't know where it's going do you see new faces at the track? Yes. Uh, now it's not like there's a ton of new faces that come up, but from time to time, yes, there is new faces, which is definitely, definitely nice to know that new people are coming. Have any people that were racing before and then stopped came back during this time frame? Um, not that I can really think of. I think pretty much everybody who's kind of gotten out of it has stayed out of it. Really? That's, that's odd, but I mean, it is what it is, but uh, I know that there's some new faces on the West coast. Um, I don't get to go as often as I'd like to, but I know that there's, they've had some new arrivals. I know that they just raced the Baja 500 um, uh, last weekend or the weekend before. And they had more pro entries than they'd had in quite a few years. I think, I think last year they had two and this, this year they had five, which, I mean, you're thinking only five, really, that's not very many. Well, when you're down to two or one, five is a full, full gate, you know, come on, (laughs) let's get excited a little, you know? Yes, for sure. So uh, I think, I think we're going to see some growth. If we can keep the economy going, I think we're going to see growth. I really do. I agree with that. I think uh, that's kind of just a big factor. If the economy is going to kind of kill this growth or if it's going to pull through and we can just keep building it. Yeah. Cause I think if the economy stays, you'll see a manufacturer, another manufacturer come back, not maybe not come back and sponsor the deal, but make a four fifty. That would, uh, that would definitely be nice. Cause uh, it's kind of, 
with just Yamaha producing, it's they don't really have no strive to they have a great machine as it is, but there's no strive to build anything better. They've got the top of the market and they've got it sold. Well, if I was them, I wouldn't change it. I mean, why? Till somebody comes out and beats you. Why? You know, that doesn't make any sense. Oh, yes. They've already got a pretty perfect machine as it is. Well, it's, nothing's perfect, but it's got, it's not bad. You know, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to throw stones at it. That's for sure. You know? Yes. I'm kind of a little bit biased because it's a bike I've been on all the time. So in my eyes, I go out there and it feels perfect to me because that's just what I'm completely comfortable with. But I know there's people that they've been on other things their whole life and that's what's perfect to them. Cause that's just, that's theirs. Well, we've won championships with Kawasaki's Suzuki's Yamaha's and Honda's. So, um, if you can win on all of them, that's even better. I know that I know that the market today is a little different with the four stroke stuff, but back in the two, two stroke days, um, you know, we won with, mostly the 250Rs and some Banshee stuff. Well, quite a bit of Banshee stuff, really. And then uh, when it came into the four-stroke, the Z400 or the KFX 400 were the bike for a couple years. Uh, well, a short span, but we did some, we we had some success in the off-road with them. Uh, you know, we had success with the 400EX. So I, I'm not, I'm not telling you that I don't like the Yamaha but I've had some pretty good success with the Honda 450R and um, in the off-road world that I get to spend most of my time in, it's hard to beat that platform. It really is. Oh yes. That's been um, the main competing platform at the nationals with the Yamaha. So it's a, you've kind of seen a change in the past few years and a lot more people go in Yamaha. Um, I don't know if that's just kind of the pro surge of people kind of falling off what pros are doing and following their moves or what the I case think, is behind that. I think it's it has something to do with that. And I think it also has to do with parts availability. Yes. I believe Joel would be doing just as good on a Honda. If he could get new parts, if he could get new bikes, he probably would have stayed where he was um, because he had a good platform. He had a really good bike. Um, they didn't have a great year. They had to, they had some new people. They had to iron some things out, but I think that as good as his program is and as good as the people are that are working with him, they would have worked it out and his Honda platform would have been back out in front or equaling Chad's Yamaha um, because Joel is just a phenomenal rider. I bet you we could put him out there on a tricycle and he'd, and he'd compete. So. Oh yes. He, uh, he definitely has some raw talent. So it, it don't matter what bike you put him on. He's going to know how to make it go fast. Yeah. He looks really good on that Yamaha. I mean, to, to just, I don't think there was any transition period for him. He just jumped on it and was fast. That is for sure. It, uh, it definitely looked like he gelled with it pretty good yeah. from the start. You get to watch some of his races, don't you? Yes, sir. Well, you get to watch a lot of the pro races, I'm assuming. Oh, from time to time with, uh, having my races throughout the day, the pro races and going and watching stuff aren't really my main focus. Uh, it's just cool down and get ready for my next race. So it's not always that, uh, I guess I'm available to go and spectate the races because I gotta, I gotta focus on my, my day there. 
you got to you got to spend more time watching some of those guys because those are the guys that yeah, potentially at some point that you're going to want to race with and they're doing things on that track that you may or may not even have the comprehension yet yes they definitely uh they've been doing this a long time and they know how to find lines and just do different things that can teach you a whole lot exactly i mean my dad always said why are you watching the slow guy watch that guy over there the guy with the number one plate you need to watch that guy you know, because he's doing something right. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you look fast, that doesn't mean you are fast. Yes. I mean, out on the West Coast, we got a guy named Bo Barron who's won nine works titles. And he didn't win them because he was the fastest guy every time. He's won them because he's just really, really good and smooth, tactical. Sometimes he looks like he's, you know, having a Sunday cruise, you know, could have put a freaking cooler rack on the handlebar so he could have a cold drink. That's how smooth he looks. So, uh, you know, and, and, and some of his competitors are throwing dirt and sliding through the turns and hitting the rev limiter. And you just think that guy's hauling butt and he's three minutes behind Bo and you just laugh and you can laugh a little bit, you know, because Bo looks like he's just on a Sunday cruise, you know, and, and Joel and Chad have, you know, Chad has that smooth, fast look. And Joel's just freaking throwing dirt and all over the place. Um, it, it, it's quite the contrast, but uh, I bet it's exciting to watch. It is. Um, Chad definitely makes that work because uh, there are sometimes it just seems like he's going so slow, but he's just steadily pulling away and pulling away and just amongsting a bigger gap. So it's also pretty cool to see the way Joel rides too because he's very aggressive and just throws it in there but I mean Chad knows how to ride so when he there's times that he looks kind of just laid back and not quite as fast but I mean there's other times that it's amazing what he can do yeah I I I don't even want to guess you know how fast those guys are it's just crazy and I know that, you know, there's Brandon Hogue and, and Max Lindquist and Restrelli, um, Bryce Ford. These guys are all super fast behind them, but they just can't seem to put the puzzle together to catch those other two guys. Oh, yes. They, uh, like you said, everybody else can kind of, they're there and they can kind of hang with them. But those two guys have something figured out that nobody else does because they got some speed that they can unleash that just nobody else can hang with. And Joel's still kind of a young guy. I'm just thinking that, you know, I don't even know if he's developed his man strength yet to, to really go fast. Oh, yes. Uh, who knows? He might come on stronger in the next few years. Uh, you know, I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. Donovan, I want to thank you so much for coming on ATV Talk. I think we got her done. Well, thank you, Leonard, for having me. And um, I'm glad we were finally able to make it through this time without any interruptions. I enjoyed the conversation and young man, I, I hope that you keep working hard and I hope you get that practice bike. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. All right. You keep those videos coming too, because if I noticed you, other people are going to notice you. Yes, sir. That's definitely the plan. And that's what we're trying to do. Just get me out there. Exactly. Exactly. Young man, good luck at work tonight. And thank you so much for coming on ATV talk and we will catch up with you again. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. 
to you by Take-Two Custom Tees. Screen printing experience that is dedicated to quality and customer service every time. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.